Hi, Sachin. Hey, Dinkar. So, uh, Sachin, uh, one of the things I have been uh, thinking a lot about and uh, we have been discussing is um, assets. Yes. And uh, today I wanted to do some more digging around into the concept of assets and uh, obviously why assets, but also how are assets different than anything else. So before I kind of share my thoughts and opinion, let me ask you, right, um, what's, what's your definition of product, especially, um, we, we'll come to the consulting side, but uh, what's your go-to definition for what a product is? I mean, to me, product is anything which we build to solve a specific problem. And uh, there are consumers and there are uh, basically uh, uh, solution providers. And I would say that it's a simple definition. Uh, that is the mental model for me. If I'm using an app to uh, file my taxes, that's a product for me. Uh, somebody is designing that system and I'm consumer of the system. Uh, it could be internal, it could be external. Uh, so technically, this cast a wide net across almost everything which we do in software industry. And uh, it is important to extend this wide net because now you are thinking about who are my consumers rather than thinking about utility. I mean, one of the most ignored parts of software systems are utility systems mm -hmm. because we believe that only uh, internal people are going to use it, people who are uh, in administration or people who are in uh, uh, data centers and uh, they are not my customers. So organizations think my customer who actually earns revenue to me is the customer. I know the thinking is changing rapidly and now a majority of folks have switched on to this side of product thinking and thinking about even their simple monitoring systems internally as products because there are people and they provide massive uh, value to maintain that system up and running. So they are thinking about them as products. Uh, but there is... Uh, there is a differentiation in terms of uh, when you are building a system, who is your uh, customer? And I think that that thinking needs to get a little bit mature with a lot of folks. Uh, your customer is not always the person who pays you, but, uh, but your customer is the one who is actually extracting the maximum value out of it. And figure out how you can make their life easier. How can you provide them value? And that would be product value. So a uh, couple of things I want to kind of um, uh, um, unpack from your response. So one thing in product management, we differentiate between um, customer and a user, right? Okay. So for example, in my startup where um, the app was used by a child, they were the users of it. They were the ones, as you say, extracting the maximum benefit from it. But the people who were hopefully going to buy it, uh, which they didn't in droves, uh, where the parents, right? And in an enterprise scenario, uh, the purchase department is your customer in some way. Uh, and uh, the uh, exec who has um, done and eva evaluated all the competing products and chosen your product for his or her team uh, is, is the user. So yes, it's very important to think about both of them, right? 
the uh, other thing uh, th that you called out was uh, right uh, fully that um, it, it 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 in some way uh, product is that vehicle from where uh, we uh, as an organization pass our value generation to the customers and in return they give us money right absolutely and that's why uh, the bias for um, paying customer versus uh, an employee whom you are uh, you know giving salary kind of starts creeping in right? and uh, i had blogged about it there was a very famous uh, bank a very big uh, global bank um, who lost triple digit million dollars because um, of an employee error uh, though uh, there are a lot of analysis of why that error happened uh, maybe it was a failure of um, checker maker maybe it was a failure of training but i also feel that it was a failure of how we create products for internal users right we think employee has to use it can't crip too much about the experience uh, let's put something in their hand uh, focus is probably on somewhere else than the employee experience right all these things come into picture and as you hinted, there are certain products which are um, uh, operational in nature, which is only used by internal people. A uh, lot of organizations have it. For example, the intranet, um, um, an application where you go and submit your leave, the, these kind of applications, right? Uh, they're only used by yes. employees, right? And people think of these as um, a cost, uh, right? A cost of doing business. Um, few years back i had um, uh, i was talking to one of our uh, clients uh, who had asked this question uh, we have these interesting uh, apps uh, can we commercialize any of these and uh, we had created a framework uh, or set of actions they can take to commercialize it right and uh, it's something i will um, uh, link to in the description also but the idea there was that um, even though it is something that you have created for a certain purpose within your organization uh, the seed of the thought should be that um, if it is useful to you it's useful to someone else also and the whole struggle is to find that product market fit for it who will it be useful for right and that is the kind of decision you start making and uh, such if you look at the evolution of this whole thought process right um, there is a product which has a price uh, you know uh, which uh, has a placement right the whole uh, marketing uh, uh, definition of a product uh, theory, theory in the marketing theory and uh, software kind of started um, creating uh, a whole new set, the internal uh, things that we were making. And I think um, AWS is a very good example of uh, what an organization can build for itself. And uh, when they take uh, right set of actions uh, and uh, they ask that question, who else can this be useful for? they can actually convert something into an external facing product also and that's why there was this whole terminology being used at one point uh, of uh, in-house products right the, mm -hmm. these are products but they are for in-house we we, we use right. for ourselves 
and there used to be every once in a while some innovation uh, some exec who has been charged with innovation or uh, improving employee morale or uh, finding new ways of uh, revenue generation used to come and say that okay let's try to figure out uh, if we can monetize any of these right and uh, the, the, that step started happening and i think um, somewhere in that um, process uh, the concept of assets came into picture so uh, okay. before i go into what i feel assets are and what market feels assets are when you hear assets uh, what comes to your mind what's your go to definition for an asset i i think asset is uh, uh, any any reusable entity which i build to generate revenue for me in this is like how, how asset is well used in commerce uh, terms in uh, other industries as well so i don't think that definition need to change for uh, any software company so when i am building an asset essentially it should be something which i am building through my own investment but it provides me a value which is going to be a recurring value and mm-hmm. it is preferably exponential value uh your aws example fits it rightly is they were building something of a virtualization platform so that they can fuel innovation uh, engineering experience uh, to support their uh, needs but they realized they don't need to hold that innovation to themselves they can in fact sell it out and make even more money out of it and today it is one of the most thriving business in uh, cloud industry so yes kudos to them uh the only change which i would like to uh, uh, like bring is in software terms assets doesn't need to be very big ones sometimes they don't even need to be products and uh, that is where mistake starts happening mm. so earlier when i used to speak about uh, asset people used to say assets and products are same mm. and uh, not every asset is product uh, but theoretically you can convert majority of your products into asset if you uh, design them in certain way that you can assetize it and you can uh, make money out of it you can monetize it basically so uh, and uh, these assets could be anything this could be digital assets example is uh, assets in the form of your excel sheets or templates or word files uh, graphics audio video material i mean uh, if you think about all these edtech startups hmm. the recorded videos which they make are their digital assets right. which they actually charge for or you and i make 0 dollars out of our podcast <laughs> but this this is the asset which we are generating by investing our time into it uh, and putting our thoughts into it so uh, companies need to now uh, raise up to the occasion that earlier they used to build systems and uh, we are we were talking earlier about how they should not think about building system but build about building a product think about building a product and that change needs to be applied here as well right whatever utilities you are making whatever digital assets you are making they can be monetized by converting them into an asset and to create an asset all you have to think about it doesn't need to be very specific to a specific need which you created right. uh, so can it be general uh, can it be applied to more than one place so if i am going on a consulting engagement uh, 
and I want to, let's say, assess uh, uh, some employee capabilities, I would say. And I created a rubric for that. And it's an Excel sheet. That's a perfect example of asset. Or a Google uh, sheet. Or a Google sheet for that matter. And I can just take this uh, sheet and uh, make it generic so that it is not targeted to a specific customer, but I can now take it to 15 customers. That's an asset for me. I can make money out of it. And that also has IP because I thought about that rubric. Right. I thought about that calculation. And this is something which is valuable, which people should pay me for because uh, uh, what I created, uh, some, somebody might say, all you have is this sheet which you are bringing it to me and you are entering numbers and you are charging me, let's say, uh, godly, ungodly amount of hours uh, for this, uh, uh, dollars for this. And I think uh, they are missing the point is that Excel sheet creation or that sheet creation might have taken, let's say, 500 hours. Right. Of, uh, and before that, thousands of hours worth of experience in the market, uh, right. learnings, education, all that to create that one rubric. So uh, I would say that is an asset for me. Anything which you uh, allows you to monetize your capabilities or experience, you can convert that into an asset and then start uh, giving it to people. Right. So um, let's take the uh, let's look at the definition of asset that is arising step by step. So first definition is that uh, asset is not something you go on the side and create. Um, it is something that is already getting uh, the roots, uh, the 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 DNA of it is already getting created in your BAU work. What you need to do is identify things which can be reused, are getting yes. used a lot, and extract it out, keep it on the side, and go ahead and reuse. So I think code reuse was the most, uh, is the earliest of um, assets that people started yes. uh, creating, right? And uh, libraries in that way was uh, asset DLLs and dot A's. These were all uh, assets that people were creating. So you don't have to create the same thing over and over again. So first thing is, um, it, it's not a side project. It's not, it's not something. It's something whatever you folks are doing over and over again, right? And uh, the second thing that you mentioned was that it need not be code. If we think of an asset just as a code, we will end up developing a lot of libraries, a lot of um, reusable code. The asset also covers your processes, um, things people are doing to learn a new capability. So for example, uh, this podcast or uh, the product management podcast that I do on the side, plug. Um, the, the, these are uh, ways where we are learning. So one person learns it and then you reproduce it and keep on sharing with everyone else and it becomes an asset. So asset need not be tech. It can be uh, any form um, of recording uh, of knowledge, hard knowledge, right? And that's why, you know, um, the definition, uh, so, uh, uh, and the advantage that asset brings is not just saves your cost, it um, has a bunch of other uh, advantages. It can accelerate so uh, your time to market, so you're not wasting time on something that you have done 10 times before. Um, and if that component is well thought of, has 
um, iterate over a lot of iterations, it has achieved some form of stability and uh, levels of quality. You are benefiting it from every time. Someone new joins your company, someone new joins your team, uh, they can start using these assets and they are up and running even faster at the same quality as the rest of the team. So it's a bunch of these um, as, uh, advantages. Um, and uh, I, I think because you and I work a lot in the area of, I mean, we, we work in the area of consulting, uh, usage of assets in consulting becomes even more critical, right? So rather than going and spending time recreating something when we are charging clients by an hour, doesn't sound right. Um, we have done it before. Um, uh, let, let's spend the time solving your specific problem rather than do something that has been done 10 times, 20 times before. It accelerates us, it accelerates cl uh, the clients that we have in solving their problem. And overall, you know, it helps everyone. And, you know, uh, one of the leading organizations um, in world of consulting, McKinsey, right? Uh, they actually formed a group called Solutions and on their public website. And this is um, when I um, uh, when I read it, it kind of uh, uh, felt very nice that, um, you know, uh, someone else is also thinking like this. Uh, and it, it, it feels very good that uh, the smarter folks at McKinsey and similar other organization, I'm sure everyone else is also thinking about it. So the formal definition they came up with was asset-based consulting helps us deliver insights and impact quicker than ever. Our solutions leverage advanced knowledge, proprietary data, deep expertise to help client in new and exciting ways. And I think the, 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 this part, right, um, uh, deep expertise, right? Encoding of your knowledge, uh, encoding of your experience that, and you rightly pointed it out when um, someone is going and bringing that Excel sheet, uh, it's not about, hey, you asked me these 15 questions, but it became about, you knew exactly which 15 questions to ask. And you know that, yes. and, and you know that because of hours and hours of your experience, and uh, much more hours of your organization's experience uh, that people are ultimately uh, benefiting from. So that that kind of lays the ground. Uh, what I feel is um, uh, assets, and the, we will always have this uh, questions. Um, you know, um, asset versus a product, right? But before I go uh, deeper into it, um, right, uh, one thing I wanted to hear from you is um, product has a price and that is the theoretical minimum for a product, right? Whereas as we see, an asset may not always have a price. It may be helping in delivering a product. It may be helping with things. It does not have a, very rarely will asset have a price of its own. Uh, how, how do you see this? How, how do you see, does this bother you? Do you think it's breaking some very basic, uh, you know, definition? Uh, what's your thoughts on these? Sometimes I also believe uh, asset doesn't need to be visible to the customer as well uh, or the buyer. Example uh, I can give about is, um, if I am 
like consultant and I need to generate some charts, let's say simple use case. I have collected some data and I need to create some charts. And over the years, I have figured out there are certain visualizations which are very specific to ThoughtWorks mm. or my like the company which I work for. Now, um, if I have created, uh, uh, let's say, a set of formulas, configuration and settings into my Excel sheet to generate those charts in certain fashion, uh, that's an asset for me. That mm. allows me to basically generate those specific charts in the fastest way possible, uh, which nobody else can do. Mm. And now I use it to my advantage in in in, the, in a way uh, that I can I can impress uh, my customer that they collected data for only thirty minutes and they produced this beautiful report for me, and I was just like impressed with it. Now this happened because of a reusable asset which I created in the background so that I can uh, create that differentiation, bring that edge to me. Uh, and the uh, same thing happens in many more professions. Mm. Uh, interior designers, they have templates. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, the good companies which actually do designs of, let's say, re uh, clothes, clothing lines, they have their proprietary ways of cutting cloth so that uh, there is minimal amount of wastage so that they can increase their profit margins. And these are something which they are building internally mm. for their employees. But that's an IP which they create. So mm. if they are, let's say there are two companies, one clothing company uh, uh, is uh, is making, let's say, 100,000 uh, shirts every month. That is the throughput they have. And another company is making 100,000 shirts per month. And let's say you need to acquire one or the other company. Uh, what you are going to look at is, okay, what is so different about these two companies? Mm. The company, if they have been very smart about their operations, creating these assets uh, of, let's say, minimal wastage uh, uh, or even better ways of stitching. Uh, and with that, let's say they require less people to produce the same amount of clothes or less uh, raw material to produce same amount of clothes or their packaging is very different, they are going to get premium pricing compared to the other uh, company. So similarly, every company, every team, they should think about what are the uniqueness which they have in them and can that be uh, extracted into an asset? And right. I am uh, not saying coded, because as a programmer, the first instinct is if it is not coded, what am I building? Am I looking at just a sheet? Uh, um, I mean, as simple as uh, I, I, I came from your website, I think you have uh, multiple templates about business canvas. Right. That's a great example of an asset. It is nothing but a printable PDF. Right. You can download it and you can actually print it and you can start filling those boxes. So uh, somebody might think, what is so special about it? Why the income is charging, let's say, five hundred dollars for this template? But not, not there. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Yeah. I mean, I will pay for it. Yeah. But point is, is that 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 those boxes are not intuitive for somebody to just start with. Those boxes came because of a reason. Uh, the definition behind it, how to use it, uh, when to use it, what is what what uh, you you get by using that particular box is something which is critical to me. So I absolutely don't feel that assets and products are being compared. Uh, in my mind, it, it is it is going to be more and more visible to people 
the difference between asset and a product. And uh, they are going to focus on building more assets. In fact, I, I can bet you that today, a lot of people actually are building assets. They just don't know they are building assets. Yeah. Just like they were building products, they didn't know they are building products. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, so uh, the the uh, if you step back and then uh, look at the definition that's emerging, right? Um, asset is something uh, that uh, that is an outcome of your existing work. Um, asset is something that you reuse. Uh, asset is something that gives you advantages uh, like uh, faster time to market, so on and so forth. And the fourth one uh, that you called out, uh, right, is assets encode your hard knowledge, things which are unique to you, uh, things which are um, your IP, which differentiate you. Uh, assets represents the hard encoding of that into something tangible. And, 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 and that's, I think, is a very important point because, yeah, you know, um, we, we don't live in a world where someone joins an organization and they retire from that organization, uh, right? People move out, people move in, but the knowledge of the organization should stay uh, within the organization, organization in a manner which a newcomer can quickly ramp up to, right? And uh, quickly go through that um, asset or even use that asset and start learning uh, the ways of working and immediately ramp up to that. And if that hard uh, knowledge has been encoded properly, then, uh, you know, um, as soon as someone joins or uh, even if it's someone junior, uh, they can quickly go and deliver the same value to a client in consulting scenario or have the same kind of output and outcome in any other kind of uh, scenario. And I think that's why uh, assets are gaining um, importance, not just in consulting organization, but also uh, in product organizations where they have started realizing that my reuse has to go beyond code. It has to be in uh, how people are learning, how my different processes are, uh, what is my core uh, knowledge, my core IP, and how do I ensure that uh, it is uh, available to anyone who needs it? Pricing may not be an, uh, an important criteria for asset because asset is paying for itself or asset is getting the benefit for the maker in a different way, right? And then uh, that leads to, um, you know, a different kind of uh, question which does not come up very easily, uh, very uh, commonly, and that, uh, so it leads to another question which is not that um, common, which is uh, licensing. So a product has a very uh, specific licensing model, right? Uh, you may be giving it free under GPL or something like that, and you may be charging for services, whatever be it. You may be handing over five units of something to someone and they're giving you and you're saying here it is and you'll get uh, in this price you'll get some support uh, and we did discuss that assets may not necessarily have price attached to it so what what's your uh, what's uh, what's your go-to licensing model when it comes to assets if these are external facing assets then 
you have a couple of options, right? You can uh, roll the price into your primary offering mm -hmm. uh, instead of like adding it as a different line item onto your invoice. Uh, if it is internal, then forget about it, right? It is something which we are doing for increasing our effectiveness or efficiencies internally. Uh, so but it, is it should be copyrighted and that's all you should care about. Yeah. Exactly. That's something which is internal. Uh, but if it is external, then in that situation, you uh, you should think about uh, charging for it because now you can extract benefit out of it. But with asset, you have a lot more flexibility to how to extract that value, uh, benefit, right? right. Uh, it can be purely financial in terms of I can charge you. I can say, hey, Dinkar, uh, uh, for every customer whom we engage with for this, this rubric, there is a $10,000 price for this rubric. I can right. say that. And now you may say, I don't need this rubric or I, I need this. The second is that I can bake it into my own like primary pricing itself, right. saying that uh, you come with me and uh, we are better because we use all these tools. And uh, uh, what I uh, learned about is uh, there is this company, which is uh, uh, like a construction company in hmm. uh, India. And it's a public company. Uh, when I went to look at their properties, they said that, hey, by the way, uh, our unique proposition is that we make our own bricks. Hmm. And these bricks are made into a certain uh, standard industry uh, and they make it only in one place in India. It's hmm. like their own manufacturing. Hmm. They make uh, their own doors and all wooden fittings. I think uh, I know the builder, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And uh, they were talking about they have designed uh, different lights which they can mount on while construction is happening so that the color codes are actually very uniform. Uh, there are no plays right. in it. All those things. And when I was looking at their uh, description, they not only are constructing houses, but they are generating massive amount of IP. Right. And economies of scale. So their profitability must be very high because of these efficiencies. But you don't buy doors from them. Right. Neither you buy bricks for them from them. You don't even know what is the price of the uh, brick uh, in the market versus what they are charging you. It's a price which is baked in into their final product right. Right. or their construction services. So what I would say is that is another way of doing it is you don't need to say this is the price and you bake it into your price. Uh, so your total price could be premium pricing. Right. Uh, and the third one, which I feel about is uh, asset also gives you another set of flexibilities is these are very transactional engagements. Hmm. So when you do a product, the product itself is like there is some sort of transfer of entitlement or right, which yeah. actually you give it to a person. Right. And that's why all these whole uh, uh, things like right to repair and uh, I should be able to uh, know what this product is doing and all those type of things. But when you are giving asset, it's it's for that one particular transaction. Hmm. And after that, your liabilities over your uh, services over and everything. I mean, like the whole transaction ends, the scope of the asset ended. Essentially, uh, now you can actually figure out ways in which it can live beyond that engagement. Uh, that's okay. But that doesn't need to be uh, like decided before you start building one asset. Right. So uh, I, I do believe that we should think about 
anytime you are thinking about asset the pricing is something so much flexible compared to your products that you can leverage there are so many levers it can be made very interesting yeah and uh, i i really liked uh, you bringing out uh, the analogy of uh, when you referring to total environment and uh, no the soba developers uh, they uh, yeah okay yeah but uh, i mean it must be a model which uh, probably everyone like, has started uh, the large players must be doing that yes yeah and then there's value in it right uh, the it, um, it it is an asset with them it is something very uh, core to their offering um it uh, probably does encode their hard knowledge about materials longevity of material and um, you know what kind of material they have uh, for that city and that uh, environment so it has that aspect to it uh, right um, it is something they have been doing over and over and over again so they have probably uh, created a very reusable uh, assembly line for creating them Uh, right and um, there is no price uh, you know y- y- they don't say that uh, if you buy this uh, apartment uh, you'll pay this much extra because we're using generic brick if you <laughs> buy this apartment you have to pay extra because we're using our bricks that's not how they are doing right it's totally uh, the asset has no price of its own but definitely uh, its price is baked in but it is adding the value overall time to market and uh, the quality of the final product that is uh, getting delivered so i hadn't uh, thought of um, i hadn't realized that real estate <laughs> could be an example of uh, assets but uh, thanks for calling it out so i think uh, to summarize uh, sachin i think um, we both um, uh, are definitely on an agreement that assets are important um organizations yes. should um uh, spend time thinking about it uh, extracting them in a much more meaningful manner with questions like uh, you know who else can benefit from it how often will they benefit from it and if it's not done in a comprehensive systematic manner what kind of negative effects it will have that will justify all the cost of extracting out the asset standardizing it putting it the enough amount of quality into it uh, right and then over and over again um, you have an uh, asset that uh, is saving you time uh, it's saving you cost and it's ensuring base quality so um, and um, assets have to be beyond code especially in software uh, they can also be your uh, processes and they they can need not be a piece of tech they could be a document they could be a spreadsheet uh, they these could be frameworks uh, these could be canvases these could be way of working uh, uh, sensible defaults uh, playbooks all those kind of things so um, i uh, w- one of the things that got suggested was that uh, uh, in our podcast we should ask people uh, some questions right and say that yeah. uh, Uh, write write your answer in the comments uh, uh, people also told me that you should say please like and subscribe uh, i am not very uh, it's a very uh, cringy thing right <laughs> it's, it's like uh, 
Yeah. yeah. And then I I don't think we young enough to get that uh, I mean it's it's cringy for you and me Sachin but it's not cringy yeah. for uh, the generation which uh, for whom YouTube videos are regular way of expression. Uh, but I do want to um, raise, uh, you know ask this question if if uh, to the people who are listening um, if you if you're okay to share uh, do share um, some assets that uh, you wanted to make but could not and some assets that you were able to make it will be interesting to hear those stories and um, don't put it any put any confidential information or information that you're not and these are yeah. the things also i don't think today's uh, you know it's these are the things i think our generation says right don't yeah. put anything confidential in the document <laughs> right dinkar and uh, we should actually sometime talk about uh, connected piece is uh, today we are just thinking about hey extract assets build assets but uh, in in true sense there is a second uh, set of problems just waiting around the corner is discoverability of these assets hmm. how do you actually uh, spread these assets the knowledge about them and uh, how to make sure that these assets are uh, virgin i mean one of the biggest challenge is that uh, you need to be able to manage these assets in the same way you manage physical assets right because they also have a life cycle with it so uh, there are a couple of examples we should talk about uh, and uh, they came recently by working with some of the customers so we can definitely discuss this little bit more deeper as well so when you said discovery you did not mean that uh, how can i discover an asset in my ways of working in my current bau uh, what you were mentioning is um, once an asset has been created how does the whole enterprise know that this asset is now now available um, yes right and actually maybe we should talk about the first part also um, product thinking comes kind of naturally to us so i'm i'm not sure if uh, that happens with everyone maybe we could have a discussion on how to identify assets and what kind of steps can be taken to extract uh, them into the standalone um, reusable uh, entities so this sounds good uh, sachin this was a good discussion and uh, definitely we'll discuss on these uh, topics in a future podcast absolutely yeah and uh, thanks everyone for listening and don't forget to like and subscribe yeah thanks so much <laughs> bye bye